This is Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to developing voices of color in the beauty industry. We are talking to estheticians, skin specialists, and business owners to uncover best skin practices, tactical career tips, and ultimately, how we can create a better beauty industry together. I'm your host, Mary. And I'm your other co-host, Alina Velez. Welcome to the latest episode of the Fearless Beauties podcast. Welcome back, Fearless Beauties. We are on season two, episode 12. I am your co-host, Alina Velez. I've got Mary with me. Taylor's not with us today, but in this episode, we will be discussing LGBTQ and the beauty industry from the perspective of the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, I think we've discussed this possibly in an episode maybe even two episodes back in season one, but I think it's nice to circle back. I think the LGBTQ plus community, the cultural viewpoint has shifted so much in the beauty industry in such a short amount of time that I think it's important to kind of circle back and see where we've been and where we're heading. So I think it's really an important subject, an important community of people to keep in the forefront of the beauty industry. Absolutely. And look at where we are. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from, because, you know, we all want to look and feel good. And I just love that the LGBTQ plus community really just embodies that. Just being your true self and your authentic self. It's awesome. Yeah. I think that that where I feel like we've come so far in the beauty well, in the beauty industry or in our culture in general, is that people who were gay or not identifying in the male or female category uh, were really ostracized or ignored or almost had no voice. Mm -hmm. If they were portrayed in media, it was almost in like a comic relief type of way. And I feel like that has come around and is really coming around full circle in that they're being they're being represented in as being like full people. Right. If that makes and sense. valued, right? Yes. Well, and more than 12% of American millennials identify as transgender or gender nonconforming. And 59% of Gen Z believe that gender is a, a spectrum rather than a man or woman binary. So, I mean, there's, it's a, it's a large community. It's a large community. Yeah. Well, and I totally believe that. I I mean, and I'm not Gen Z or X or I don't know what Gen I am (laughs) back there. I'm like, I don't say I'm maybe around Gen EFG or something before (laughs) we got to the end of the alphabet. But but I do think that there is a, a spectrum of things. I don't think it's necessarily a solid uh, black box or, you know, box that you're in. I think that there is more fluidity to things and more of a of a full spectrum. Yeah. I really love that the younger generation um, just embraces people for who they are, I think, or has a tendency to 
less buy into some of the stereotypes that are out there. It probably will be when my generation dies off that mm. all of this becomes more of a, or less of a restricted or feeling like you can't be yourself. Well, and I think about, we know young consumers, we want more inclusive, um, non-binary beauty advertising, but it takes time, right? And I think about, for instance, the the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, right? Um, it was It was first introduced over a century ago and failed to pass 200 times. And we just passed, right? I mean... It's encouraging to know that if you, if we keep fighting and we keep, you know, moving the needle, that change does come with that. Just getting those people to champion that. You know, when I said that I was, I was thinking about Gay Pride Month coming up in June. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've talked about, oh, it's Asian American Month or it's Black History Month or whatever. We have to have a gay pride time. Won't it be nice when we don't have to have gay pride because because it's just such an accepted part of our culture that it's normal. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. it's normal and that it doesn't have to be something that has to be although I don't know. I I have participated in gay pride, the Portland Gay Pride Parade and participated in that. And it, I'm telling you it was just such an amazing amazing uh experience. Yeah. And so much positivity and fun, even though along the sidelines, you know, there were people that were protesting or protesting and saying you're going yeah. to hell and all that. But I think, it, I think Portland is going to have its gay pride events this year after not having them for a couple of years because of COVID. So that will be interesting. On the other side of that, I think about the companies that are insincere about um, supporting the LGBTQ plus community. And when that, you know, when June rolls around, boom, all of a sudden they've got rainbow packaging and, and you know, and it's like, really? But, but do you? Yeah, but, well, it's kind of like putting a pink ribbon on, you know, we support breast cancer, but they really don't do anything except put a pink ribbon on their packaging because they know it sells more. They put a rainbow on it in June and it's going to make more money. Uh, exactly kind of doing it for all the wrong reasons. But, you know, yes. we want brands that are actually run by queer folks or hire queer folks and equality for all, truly. Alina, we have that juxtaposition of your gender or your sexual preferences don't matter. Yet if you want to support a company that does have queer or queer employees or owned by queer but you don't want to make a big deal of it. How do you find that out? Yeah. So then do you say, buy your stuff from me because we have queer employees, right? I do think we need to do more than just have it be words that we're talking about. We have to really serve that by having all representation in hiring and in the company process. I feel like we've talked about this before, how how you can sense people's genuinity, you know, even through social media. And I feel like when you're doing good things and you come from a genuine place, people can feel that. And it's kind of like a, like a domino effect. I don't know. That's, I guess that's just my opinion that if people are truly stemming from a genuine place that you're going to feel that and it, and it's going to succeed because 
because it's genuine and it's, and it's going to come across as, as genuine and people are going to follow that and want to follow that and want to buy your products. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I also was kind of wanting to look at the angle of, and this comes specifically from a particular graduate that we have recently had who has had employment challenges. He has not been able to get a job and he is gay and he has had employers say, I will not hire you because I don't think my my clients would be comfortable with you. Of course, that's discriminatory and illegal. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think our culture needs to also shift to a place where the qualifications of a person, right, their skills, their skill set, their qualifications supersede sexual identity. I agree. Women think nothing of going to a male physician to be examining their most intimate parts, yet they don't want a male esthetician doing a facial service? Come on. There is a little bit of kind of a worldwide controversy. Um, I was reading this article with like multinational big beauty giants that are trying to be inclusive and especially in the LGBTQ community and and they're facing challenges in in countries mostly outside of the West where conservative attitudes to gender still still dominate. Unfortunately, in several countries, homosexuality is still illegal. There is still some limitation for global beauty companies and marketing, you know, to the LGBTQ community. I would like to see, okay, so they're global, right? So they're mostly multi-million dollar, if not billion dollar companies. They should be able to afford to have an LGBTQ friendly, inclusive campaign running in the cultural markets where it's possible versus saying, oh, I can't, we can't do it because, because homosexuality is illegal in this country. So therefore we don't do any marketing towards LGBTQ. That I think is just a cop out. And some of it might be because a lot of these billion dollar international global beauty companies are run by what we've talked before, 60, 70 year old white men. When it comes to personal choices and who you love, <laughs> I just feel like, gosh, love is love. Come on. Why we got to make laws around it? It just doesn't make no sense to me. But we want to take into consideration, you know, inclusivity for age, cultural backgrounds, body, diverse body types, and gender variant identity expression, you know. Well, I think that's true. I think that, and again, as as time goes on and some of these older values, cultural values that, that really, I think, stem from that um, Eurocentric value system, mm-hmm. um, I think that as people with that power begin to die off, I think things will begin to become much more normalized and much more accepted without having a lot of freaky pushback. Even even I think globally, it's going to take a longer time for some of these things to happen. But I think even in countries where it is illegal, things are slowly shifting. I say that and then I see where they've like made it illegal in what Afghanistan for girls to go to school. So 
there's still things that have to happen. I feel like um, social media has really helped given people voices to really represent and create and put content out that's really relatable for a lot of people. I think of a couple of people like Jeffree Star. He's got a freaking empire built. Now, I had not heard of him until maybe last year, but I think that Taylor said she went to school with him. Oh my gosh. What a small world. In like middle school or high school. Yeah. And she oh said gosh. you never would have. <laughs> well, yeah. And you think about the community of like drag, right? And how just beautified and all the makeup and the, I mean, it's real art. It's just a beautiful artistic ability to to do that and kind of transform. But Jeffree Star, Patrick Star, I mean, these, these gay uh, non-binary folks that have just used their platform to express themselves. And I just think it all stems back to, you know, maybe being a little bit vulnerable and and being true to yourself because you never know who's watching. And I say that because there's a lot of courageous people disrupting, you know, the conventional gender norms and and they're paving the way for others who may not have the courage to do so. And so Kudos to Patrick Starr, Jeffree Starr. There's so many people that are doing it. But social media has been an awesome platform, I think, for people to be like, hey, I'm not the only one who's like this, you know, or kind of a a resource for people, I think. Yeah, I think it helps people feel stronger. And this is like, I don't have an actual point of reference from a personal perspective. I have points of reference from having members of my family who are gay. And so that feeling of, I can identify with that feeling of fearfulness of will I be accepted for who I am or will this be a big deal that is going to ostracize me from people that I love. So Oreo has come out with a a new campaign, which is just... Honestly, the commercial, I got like a preview of the commercial that was coming out that was almost painful for me to watch, but it was uh, with someone who is doing their first coming out to their family. And the message, I mean, they're selling Oreos because there's a package of Oreos on the table and they all eat the Oreos as sort of a like, look, we're all the same because we all love Oreos. But it it was painful for me to watch realizing that sometimes that coming out time is maybe the only time that the family hears the message, but does the family accept the message and then embrace that person? Or is it a shut the door and it is never discussed again kind of a message if you're if you're following me. But anyway, it's a way I think that Oreo is going is trying to and I was going to see who's the parent company of Oreo because what is that company that's the parent company of Oreo? You know that Oreo isn't by itself, but what is that parent company's beliefs? It was just interesting to me and from a perspective, honestly, that I hadn't thought about before is that the message has to continually be brought forward so that people have more than one opportunity to accept it and move forward. Have mixed feelings about it. And a part of me feels like, why does there have to be this big sit down talk? Why can't it just be like, 
I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm mixed feelings about it. Maybe it's more individual. Like maybe if an individual feel like, feels like they need to have that talk, but I don't know. Do you see where I'm, I'm coming at? I do. I, I think that it's based, going to be based on each individual family's family culture. For, and I can give an example in my, fam- in my family where my daughter had to tell my ex-husband, quit asking my granddaughter, who's your boyfriend? When are you going to have a boyfriend? Let me, you know, how many boys have you been kissing? How many boyfriends you got at school? Quit, quit asking her that. Quit telling her, quit teasing her about that. Because you know what? She's not going to have a boyfriend. So stop doing that. And so I think it's each family's culture. And then when there is that sort of family dynamic where there is a strong, and I can even go back to my own family, talk about raising my own family. And that has to do with my kids' dad's family culture was very strong. There was a patriarch in the family and there was a matriarch in the family. And it was almost, um, and it was not unique to be calling my son Brady Hey, Brady boy. Hey, Brady boy. And Brenna, Brenna girl. Hey, Brenna girl. Hey, Brenna girl. To, to, I think, instill those gender, like pink and blue. And the idea that someone would not fit in those two boxes for that family was very, 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 very hard to overcome. And so I think if you have a family culture where gender is very fluid, then it doesn't matter and you don't have to have any kind of coming out because because who you love is who you love and there's no right or wrong to who you're loving. And so it doesn't really matter because I think that whether you're, well, it doesn't, I guess I'm going off on a tangent, Um, but it doesn't matter whether your partner is a man or a woman or whatever, doesn't matter. And families just accept that that's the fluidity of what's happening in that family or families that have that strong, have strong boxes and can't see people outside of the boxes. And I do think that culturally that is going to change where there won't be the coming out kind of a deal. It'll just be that who you love is who you love and your family just, it's just a part of you. Yeah, I agree. I'm very lucky being somebody who's in a same-sex relationship for the first time, actually. And I didn't ever feel like I had to have that conversation, like a sit-down, serious conversation. It was just like, hey, my love is fluid and this is what it is. And, And it was really important for me to have my parents' support. But to piggyback off of what you were saying, why does it matter, male or female, in the beauty industry, you know? There is going to come a day, I truly believe that there's going to come a day where it is it is a norm. It is widely accepted. And I hope that the graduate lands in a place that is a safe place for him. Because whoever he is, wherever he is out in the world right now, I hope he's landed somewhere or is going to land somewhere that embraces who he is fully. Because I'm sure he's talented and has a lot to offer. Right. He well, and he needs an employer that says, like, absolutely, we want you for your skills. And then you know that that the value and culture that's in that business is going to attract clients that don't care what his sexuality is because they're going to feel a place where they're cared for. 
I had also read, kind of switching gears, Sephora is doing some cool things to um, be supportive for transgender individuals. They're even supporting people during their transition. And so that was really cool to read about. And they are debuting their complimentary in-store workshops specifically aimed at transgender and gender non-conforming individuals. Um, so that was really cool to, to read that Sephora is doing that. Ulta, where are you at? No. <laughs> well, I think that's really, I think that's super interesting and really important and kind of bold for them to be coming out that way. I do want to put a little bit of a plug in here for a skincare line, which is called NB, E-N-B-Y. And it is a very, very small, I want to say Indies skincare line. You buy products in two different sets. It is men who are transitioning M to F, male to female, and they have a specific skincare line that is based on the hormones that that person would be taking, and it's to help them in the skin transitions that happen. And then they also have a female to male FTM line, which is also helping with the hormone, the hormonal process and helping the skin adjust to that hormonal process. So it's called ENBY. It's based in New York. Um, it's small, it's niche but I think that it's something that's important. Well, I think we pretty much have covered it all. I think so too. That was a good talk. I know. I just enjoy having these conversations and trying to move the needle forward, trying to get people to have open minds and sort of rediscover and reconsider their own values or their own biases and making sure that they are doing all that they can, the personal work that they have to do to become more inclusive themselves, to become just better, I guess, better human beings. I agree. Ultimately, a better world. I mean, these are our neighbors, our friends, our family, our coworkers. I mean, people can, if they want to find out more about uh, Fearless Beauties, they can find us at fearlessbeauties.org. They can find us at Fearless Beauties on Instagram. Alina, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at True Skin Lab. You can find me at Your SD Godmother. And if you're looking for Taylor, look up Taylor Budgets. Awesome. Yeah, we want to thank everyone for listening because this is always just a great time for us to connect. Great. Thank you, Mary. Thanks, Alina. Thank you for listening to Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to developing voices of color in the beauty industry. I'm Mary, your host. And I'm Alina, your other co-host. See you next time.